Hi there. Welcome to the Creative Review Podcast. I'm Eliza Williams, CR's editor, and I'm here to introduce a new series we're running on the podcast, where we're asking people to look back over their careers and pick out their best and worst moments and give us a few insights into the creative process. First up to do this, I talked to author and artist Oliver Jeffers, who I met in the first week of September at the House of Illustration in London, where he was giving a talk about his new book, Fate of Fausto. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Thank you very much. I have pronounced Fausto correctly, haven't I? I was going to check that with you before we (laughs) spoke. So to start with, we're going to talk a little bit about points in your career that have been good and bad, I guess. is there a place you'd like to start? Would you rather talk about good things or bad things? Well, you know, whenever you, you were putting the question to me, I was kind of thinking it's not, it's not, none of the answers are obvious because I tend to try to forget the bad moments, yeah. and quickly move past them. Um, and I tend to not dwell on the good moments. So, you know, okay. sort of pat myself on the back yeah. overly much. Uh, so it's whenever you, you said that, I was like, I don't know if I can think of very specific examples. There's a few obvious things that would, would jump to mind, like the, the publication of first book or an award or, or things like that. And, yeah. and But, you know, the, the bad ones will probably tend to be more recent because they're the ones that, that are there. But anything mm-hmm. that happens, I'll feel what I'm feeling about it. Any sort of bad thing, any rejection thing that happens, I'll feel what I'm feeling about it and then quickly move past that. Okay, that's good. Is that, is that always been the case? It's always been the case, yeah. You've learned? No. Yeah, it's always okay. been the case. And I've learned it more as, as well as I've gone on because what's the point in harbouring resentment or emotion or, or negative thoughts because it's only going to drag you down yeah it although weighs I think too, that's often maybe to carry around so. yeah I totally agree although I think yeah. maybe that's your personality I guess is the case maybe uh, you certainly get more done you know with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with, without holding on to things but the some I suppose some specific examples because I, I work in both uh, the publishing realm but also in the, the realm of fine art mm. and so some things have been more trying than others uh, and some things that have been the worst thing have turned out to, to be the greatest thing uh, give me some examples like for example when I was when I first moved to New York I've been in the studio for uh, for th- two years three years two years I think three years uh, and we were so, quite suddenly evicted and I was in the middle okay. of a project and uh, okay and, and I had to put the project on hold and then I was frantically running around looking for some of the work okay um, because you know it's unlike being a writer, when it, when you've got a lot of stuff to make an object, you need a physical space. Yeah, and it it, it was really it was one of the lowest points of my career. I think where I, I and it was right before making the book stuck, and I was I had a deadline for that. I didn't have any other work. Okay, uh, I, but then I ended up finding a place that I subletted from from something in this new artist space that had just opened up, and I never thought I wanted to be in a shared building, because um, mm. I had done that previously, and it, and it wasn't wasn't for me. I found it too distracting, but uh, that building was the Invisible Dog, and it's. That was nine years ago, and it's one my studio still is. Because you have a very beautiful studio. Yeah. I've seen photographs. Yeah, of it. And, yeah. Uh, well, I've moved around it within that building, and I've, I've kind of settled on something um, pretty great there now. Although I've since the, since the last move, which is also one of the most traumatic uh, experiences of my life, was and I was moving floors. You know, any okay. I, I would much rather move home again than move studio. So, t- so break that down. Then why is that mm-hmm. traumatic? Is it because of all your your stuff? Or it's because of all the stuff. Everything needs to be so specifically organized for a workflow space, especially when I've got people working with me in there as well. And there's never a break where there's there's no work happening. So, you know, I okay. allocated three days to pack everything up, move and have everything set up again. And it's you know, what what ended up having to do is like, OK, well, let's unpack this station so I can immediately get to work on that. And then we'll, other people will be doing the other bits. And it just was so stressful. Yeah. I, do you find that you 
like a certain order in the way I, you work? I need a certain order in the way that I work because okay. I work quite quickly and I need to know where anything is at any given point. And uh, with Brooklyn prices, uh, you know, I could easily fill a studio three times larger than the, the footprint that I've got. So okay. the, the things have to be well organized. Yes. While we're on studios, then how do you describe? Like you said, it's the best one you've you've been in. Um, or the best. Um, yeah, building. there's yeah. there's wonderful energy about the place. Uh, there's there's great light. It's got charm. It also you know it leaks in the winter sometimes. And okay. It's southern facing light, which is a pain in the rear end for whenever you're oil painting, because um, you just get direct light coming in and reflections everywhere. And okay. um, But I've learned to kind of navigate around those things. Uh, but one of the, the greatest things about it is the sense of community there, because all of the artists are, are sort of handpicked and curated by this, uh, the director of the, the space, Lucien Zayan, who's this uh, Parisian-Egyptian guy. And, and it, the, the artists come from all different walks of life from all over the, the place with different disciplines, but just having that sense of uh, whenever you need somebody who offers advice coming from a different background yeah. uh, is invaluable. Yeah, So and you didn't used to do that, right? No, okay. no, no. Um, you know, like one of the, my favorite people to ask for an advice on a painting is a sculptor who works on the floor below me because okay. she sees things differently than a painter would. Yeah. A painter would give technical uh, feedback as yeah. opposed to... Maybe it's too close with the yeah, painter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so that that's one thing that, that did spring to mind. Um, but, you know, the uh, these days all of my work is self-generated and trying to convince other people that a project is worth doing isn't always straightforward, isn't always necessary. I was talking to my good friend who's an artist also in the building, um, you know, what, what's your idea of success? And he came up with a great definition, I think, is that that he would have a, a less difficult time convincing all of the people involved that need to be involved that a project should happen. That's, okay. That's his idea of success. That's when he's made it. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? How do you, mm-hmm. and how do you feel success? I mean, mm-hmm. do you, so what, would you agree with him then? That I, I think that's a pretty good one, yeah. Because um, a lot of the, the, there's a lot of projects that I still am hoping, and there's very few things that I've actually permanently put to bed. Okay. But some things, okay, this didn't happen at this iteration, I'll, I'll park it for, for a while, and then I'll move on to the next thing. And if I see an opportunity to bring this out again, I will. Um, but you know, and and that uh, I think one of the, the the career highlights I've had might seem an unusual one was whenever I got the that public art sculpture up in the Highline Park in Manhattan yeah. at the start of this year. And one of the reasons that it was such a highlight is it was so difficult to actually get convince people and get it done, raise the money. And it was it was like Max saying it's it's the it the projects when they're larger than than just something you can make on your own. Mm. It, it needs other people's validation, approval, uh, yeah. support, um, uh, funding. Uh, and it, it's, no matter how good the ideas are, or how uh, accomplished you might be as an artist, that's never, never easy. Okay. And it did, and it, 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 like it was supposed to be at the Park Avenue Armory, and then the, the, the window of time got crunched, so it quickly got cancelled, and, uh, and it really looked like that project was going to be put to bed. Okay. And that might have been put to bed permanently because it was timed in with an anniversary. It was that, it was the sculpture of the Earth and the Moon, and it was... To, to time in with the 50th anniversary of the Earthrise photograph. So the, the timing was so, so, so important. Yeah. And then whenever the, the Highline came through and it just, you know, one person introduced me to the right person, which just, he picked the lock. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like such a triumph when, when, it, when it came together. Yeah, it's interesting. One assumes that as you become well-known, which obviously you now are, that these doors open much quicker. I mean, is that the no, case? Or no, does it not no, really make any difference? No. Uh, yeah. uh, Somebody else says, like, you know, the bigger the artist, the bigger the problem. Okay. uh, (laughs) So, 
Like I was talking, but to, is that true from your side as well? Because yeah, because I'm starting to think in bigger that. terms. I'm starting okay. to think in big terms of bigger projects, and yeah. that just that requires so many more loopholes. Like there's one project that we're trying to get off the ground at the minute, and we're waiting for for approval from one part uh, partner. And when that happens, we'll then have to go to you know the the buildings department of New York City and the parks okay. department, and that's just going to be a, a quagmire. It's going to be a nightmare. I know it already. Yeah. If we even get that far. Okay, so in terms of that feeling of once you get permission, how do you feel then when something is completed? Like, so you're, the new book that you have out, I mean, do, do you get, is there a sense of, ah, oh, that's done? Or is, have you already moved on? I've re, it's, it's, yeah, sometimes whenever, you know, I get the, the advanced copy, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. I'm like, this is coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess with books, there's a, it's a slow process, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the printing and all that it's stuff. A, it's, it is a very, it's a much slower process than, say, the fine art world. Yeah. Um, which uh, tends to move. Uh, somebody once said the, the fine art world is much more like teenage dating than as an industry because you know there's nothing is absolutely firmly said or there's no there's no oh, contracts yeah. it's all slightly nebulous and you know like okay. it's sort of flirting but not really and pretending you're not interested and, oh it's such a headache but uh do the, you enjoy that though well again i enjoy it whenever it works whenever it pays yeah. off but it, it can be so so exhausting um, and do you work why, with specific galleries? Yeah, and and that was a, again one of the the I think the, the real real highlights of my career was quite early on because I knew I wanted to be in the fine art world. I thought I was going to be a fine art painter before I discovered books and got into that world. And then okay. as a way to to sort of you know subsidize my income in between books, I that's when I started doing commercial illustration. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but I always kept that the fine art and. Uh, about 20 years ago when I was starting off I was showing galleries my work and they were interested until they then found out I was the same person who was doing these books and then the interest would fizzle away and because the relationship between fine art gallery world and illustration especially picture book illustration was very different then than it is today yeah um, you know dare I say do you think that, that's pic- still a problem now <clears throat> no much less so because I think picture books are dare I say more, more fashionable now than they yeah. were then there's there's more people doing them the, the kind of quality of books are different but also the, the fine art world is much more open to the idea today than it was 20 years ago that artists might do more than one type of work yeah and, you know that that sort of happened with that phase of like street artists turned gallery artists so this the, the notion of what an artist does has, has changed quite radically in, in the eyes of the gallery yeah do you um, think that was down to value that you might be polluting your value if you do sort of something I, th- I, th- I think it was as sort of snobby as that and that's not very cool yeah um and it's but it was one of those ones where i just i kept doing what i was doing and, and i think when people realized that i was always going to be doing both that opened up some more doors and and then especially more recently as the actual uh, content of the work gets closer and closer to the point where it's actually overlapping at all everything supports each other now yeah but but so the the gallery that i work with the bryce welkowitz gallery they're one of the the, the big new york galleries and for them after having all that difficulty years and years ago and just doing work on my own um, then being represented by them and having my first solo show in New York in like 24th Street in Chelsea, which is like this street, it, yeah. that that was a real highlight. And and I at that point I was like I'm not going to lean into the the fine art space and do a, a sort of a you know a kind of a static classic fine art gallery. I I, I wrote on the walls and I drew on the walls and oh. I made this installation that people say was very whimsical. It was like kind of you know straight out of one of my picture books and and it, and people loved it and it just felt it was like I'm being absolutely me here. And it's okay. Sounds great. Did people um, who came to see the show, did they know your 
picture book you wanted Some as well. did and some didn't, but yeah. the, the one thing that ties a lot of it together is my handwriting. So people right. recognize my handwriting. And a lot of people went to see the show because they knew my books and didn't necessarily know that work. And a lot of people knew my work and didn't know I did the books. And so it was this whole yeah. crossing over. And uh, yeah, my yeah. wife sort of joked it was my coming out party. Yeah. <laughs> um, that between that and the Rizzoli book that that sort of happened at the same time, with the, they were both of the same name. Yeah, and that so one that was a celebration of everything. Yeah, and did that? How did that feel? And you talk about feelings and stuff. Did that feel like the right moment for? That it it really up? did. It really yeah. did, and especially because the the content of the the Bryce Welkowitz show, which is called um, For All We Know, uh, was very similar to the content of, and the, the aesthetic of it was very similar to the content uh, of here. Uh, uh, the, the book here we are mm. um you know dealing with the just what it is to be alive in the 21st century and the, yeah. the notion of sort of constellations as a way of storytelling and how we always see stories from our perspective you know yeah. the cons constellations wouldn't make any sense if you looked at them those imaginary lines that we see in the sky that if you looked at them from any other perspective in the universe yeah so it's where you are when you're telling a story is so so important but uh, and so the it, it really the 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 feeling and the 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 narratives were very closely linked. Yes, I feel like your last two books, while I think they're aimed at primarily at the children's market. Oh, I don't know. I've, I've never. They feel. They feel that. even. I mean, because I. Yeah. Which, so well, I've read your, about the last two. Here we are, and which and one? The, the most oh, recent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt because I read a lot of uh, your ones that are more obviously aimed at children. So stuck. Yeah. Uh, the um, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the names. I can picture so the one with the bear in the wood with oh, the paper planes. Paper, paper, yeah. Yeah. So those yeah, ones yeah. are more overtly uh -huh. aimed at kids. But even though there's, I feel like as a parent reading them, there's lots to yeah. to kind of get from it. But I feel like the, the, those last two books feel a bit more um, generic. Ambig yeah, oh. ambiguous. Oh, well, ambiguous terms. is better. Yeah. yeah. They and they certainly are because the my editor for here we are joked that it's a book for new babies new parents and misplaced adults yeah <laughs> uh, and, and i think that was pretty apt and it was partly reminding myself of the basic principles of humanity in a, in a world that seemed very angry at that time yeah um, not that it's any less angry now but no. actually the fate of Fossil was written prior to that but was shelved to make way for what i felt was a much more hopeful book and, and more appropriate for the time okay but then obviously as things have gone the way they've gone um the i think the the, the content and uh, the the themes of the fate of Faust seem absolutely more relevant now than they they did. Yeah, they do. How would ago. you describe it? I'll let you. Describe. Well, I think it's a it's a book about greed and arrogance and uh, humanity's relationship with with its environment. It feels quite like an ancient story in some ways. Yeah, right? it's yeah, some, yeah. There's something. And were you inspired by sort of? I mean, I suppose the, the title feels like it could have come from a. Yeah. a different era as well it does. even though, it's, it even like though it's, it's very relevant to yeah, today it, it, even though it, yeah, it, it sort of does it, it represents these these old books and that's why I ended up making the, the work in lithography and the, the type is handset uh, uh, you know traditional type and the, it's it, all of it is referencing old books yeah um, okay but yeah it, it's very relevant for right now yeah yeah so that's I say feels it, I mean it feels like <laughs> a, a, like an art book as much as a mm -hmm. A book you might read to a child. And when so. I first talked to Harper Collins about it, it was, I, I I said I've got this story idea. And I, I I don't know if it's a children's book. I still don't. Um, so it comes out what next week, so we'll find out. How yeah. Feel about it. I wonder. I mean, I guess it's not your job to market it so much, although no. we're having these conversations. But uh, but I wonder how how you whether it's easy now to market stuff that hits across those base 
bases or whether people still want to put it in a children's I, I, well, section. Well, they do. They certainly do. I think the, uh, the Rizzoli book changed that a little bit because yeah. uh, you know, that, I suppose that falls in the fine arts section. But who knows where people are going to put this book. Uh, I'm not overly worried about it. I think just once it's out there, it'll find its place. Yeah. Um, but Do you think about that generally in terms of... No, I don't. I never okay. think about that. As the, I just want to make the book and... Uh, and it was the classic Morris Sendak uh, quote. It was like, I don't write children's stories. I write stories and somebody else says they're for children. I see that. And I always find like, a, I, you know, reading kids to, uh, books to kids that the ones you I love the best are those ones which sort of sit, mm-hmm. that aren't even trying to be too knowing actually. That mm-hmm. And be like, because sometimes with movies you get the, the wink to the parents who are stuck in the cinema too. Mm-hmm. But the ones that actually work the best yeah. are the ones that actually work. <clears> the work on your levels. Yeah, know, yeah. I think so. Yes. So in terms of sort of future things, I mean, are there, you mentioned briefly commercial projects. You don't really do any... I don't do anything like that now. I mean, there's there's uh, the film adaptation of Here We Are that's coming out with Apple. That's, oh, uh, but okay. I, I'm not allowed to come, you know, NDA up to the, the eyeballs. Uh, okay. Are you allowed um, to even say that? In the... <laughs> oh, yeah, because they, they, they had that's that in the keynote speech. So that, that much information okay. uh, is out there. But uh, I've been working fairly closely with that so that that's quite exciting and, and i suppose that is a commercial venture because there's yeah know, they're calling the shots in a lot of ways yeah um but the so no i don't really do uh commercial uh, illustration jobs anymore i do collaborations with various people um but yeah. the, it's that's that i think the difference there being with i suppose when i was doing in illustration jobs i would be like a, a, a visually creative gun for hire yeah where with collaborations, it's it's much more grassroots than that. It's two people getting together and figuring out something that they can do. Yeah. Uh, as one. But you could have collaborations like that with a commercial client, or do you feel it's just not I, really? I, I could, yeah, and it's something that I'm open to if it's the if it's the right sort of person. Like I did do that the, the collaboration with Feja Shoes, mm. uh, which you know, and I really wanted to work with them just because of their. Their ethical standards and their transparency. Okay. Like they they set a fantastic example. Yeah. Um. So that worked well, and I'd be definitely open to the idea of doing more things like that. Yeah. So it's more them coming to you with something that feels like it fits. It's a, with yeah. Your... They they came to me in that one, but there's there's certainly now that the my uh, the wheels are turning on on that front. There's ideas that I have that might require collaborative partners that I might start to pitch. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in the middle of a year off right now, so I'm trying to put it all to the back of my are mind. Yeah. Okay. So how far into your year off are you? Six weeks or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I <laughs> right at the start, okay. I got, yeah, right at the start, so I got uh, dragged out of hiding to promote the launch of this book coming up. Okay. So how are you going to stop it for the rest of the... Travelling. Okay. So we, we're, we're nomadic. Is this with family? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, my wife and two kids were... Okay. We're so what's happening this. at the studio then that we start? There's a lot of projects that uh, were started are just ticking over you know like the, the apple film is a, is a big aspect of that of course there's, there's some other ones there's uh, a new book has been made that'll come out after this one but again i can't really say very much about that so there's plenty going on behind the scenes there's uh, some exhibitions with uh, existing work that are being organized for, okay. for various things and uh, the the sculpture that was on the high line is hopefully going to move around a little bit so there's a lot of it's mostly administrative stuff but okay and is this the first time you've had a sabbatical yep. like this? Yeah, okay. we've been talking about it for a decade. Yeah. So how does it feel, like, at the start <laughs> of it? <laughs> uh, it? It feels like I'm ready for it. Yeah. 
You don't, you're not feeling that yeah. sort of, oh, I need to just no, check on this. No, no, no. I, I might do a little more, except for I knew I was getting called out of hiding to come and do this week. And I, then okay. whenever this started, I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this at all. Like, I've already started to get my head into yeah. uh, off mode. Okay. Are there things work-wise that you'd like to achieve by having the year off? Or is it much more about personal kind it's, of stuff? It's much more about... I think I just needed to take a break. I was just working very, very, very hard. Um, and just think about some of the, the bigger questions. That, um, uh, and But also, you know, my kids are both very young and, and I yeah, just wanted to take the time to see that and be with them. Yeah, great. Because um, I think it's Stefan Sagmeister who ha- does mm-hmm. this every seven years, yeah, I think yeah. he does one. Which I, the power of time off. Yeah, and it's uh, it always sounds wonderful and yet I don't really know of other people who do it, so it's good to... Yeah, it was actually I was talking to him that like, partly gave me the idea for it. Okay, um, yeah. And uh, he was, you know, very approving of the of the concept, but he would go to one place and spend yeah, uh, a full year in one place. And he, he said that it's interesting that the, the, the next seven years thinking will be affected by the thoughts that he would have on that year off. And I'm not necessarily hoping for that because... He doesn't have any kids, so it's yeah, it's a different thing. It's a different yeah. thing. So you know, but my my brain is completely being pulled in, in that direction. So who yeah. knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if um, sometimes though, when you you're looking at something different, other mm-hmm. it allows space. People it, often say it's you know it's that thing of ideas in the shower and all that right. sort of stuff that you yeah. it'd be interesting to see whether uh, yeah that happens. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? Very good. <laughs> Oh, well, that seems a good note to finish this on. Thank you very much for doing it. And uh, you can read more about Oliver and his new book on the Creative Review website at creativereview.co.uk. Thanks.